Funding for Sundays on the East End comes from CP Complete Construction and Renovation, specializing in interior and exterior living spaces. CP Complete focuses on the end result throughout the entire process. Individualized attention sets their boutique construction company apart with a focused, inclusive, innovative, and personalized process from start to finish. CP Complete builds what you have imagined. Learn more at cpcomplete.com or 631-727-5741. Welcome to Sundays on the East End. I'm Bridget Leroy. And I'm Alex Sokolow. I hope everyone had a great week. We're here today. We have a, a terrific guest from Fighting Chance, Duncan Darrow. Uh, we're really looking forward to speaking to him later. First of all, Alec and I are going to talk a little bit about cancer and fighting and what Duncan does. And we'll also, I think, talk about the emotional aspects of trauma and of life, of being alive. That, uh, and as, it's a musical as, comedy. No, as, as uh, <laughs> Hank Williams, uh, to paraphrase him, said, no matter how I struggle and strive, I'll never get off this planet alive. Right. Wow. Well, that's... Happy Sunday to you. No, no, um. but you know what? It's then, then that's the real battle. That's the real game is figuring out how you get the most out of your life, how to get the most out of every day, how right. you can live with hope and joy and uh, not look at, you know, there's a big difference. And I, you know, my dad passed. I know your dad passed the cancer. There's a big difference between, uh, you know, treating, fighting and living with cancer and dying. Right. And uh, all of the areas, I think, is stuff that, people aren't comfortable talking about and yet when you go through it with a loved one you go through it with yourself it dominates every second of your existence so i actually think it is a happy sunday because why not on sunday when when people can maybe be a little bit more meditative uh which is something we're going to discuss right why not uh have a moment to think about you know uh, think about all of the ways that you can maybe change your perception on something that historically has been a stigma well, that's something we were talking about with Duncan before the show uh, began, which is just how how far the the psychology of of oncology has come in, since uh, the early '80s. About how you, like you didn't used to say it, right? You didn't used to say it, and if it you didn't used to tell people. No, you people have people would say cancer, and it's cancer. Yeah, they would yeah, say it with a whisper, right. like 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 somehow the boogeyman would come, and if it's like there was some weird superstition where if you acknowledged it you were acknowledging something bad. And I, again, I would argue it's not bad. It's, there's, no, there's no good or bad with cancer. It is a disease, and like any other disease, it can be uh, battled, fought, and defeated, and put in remission, uh, and it, everybody has their own journey. But there are some common things, and one of them is, is and I know this is something when I first met um, Duncan, that I certainly... Uh, like bells were going off in my head, is that when, when somebody gets diagnosed, they think it's a death sentence. They think the, that uh, their life is over. And I think more and more, uh, and I heard somebody say this, I'm going to paraphrase it, is that you know, cancer is, is not an event. It's something to a be process. processed. It's right. a process. And so I, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Well, it's so interesting, too, Sock, because uh, you, know, you lost your dad um, when, like in the, the early 90s, right? 92. You lost your dad in 92. I lost my dad in 2001. And, and at the time, at least, you know, and my dad's was a long journey. He had, you know, five different forms of cancer over the four, over 15 years. He kept getting better. He kept, you know, we kept thinking it was over. And then, you know, he finally got taken out of the game. 
but it was always very my mom medical. Used, my mom uses the term called the cab. He called the cab. He called the cab. Well, my dad, when, when other people used to die, my dad would send flowers with a note that said, have a great trip. Yeah, And exactly. he pissed off a lot of people. But very, I, but, you very, know. very Anubis. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the if, point it, is, And your heart has to be lighter than a feather. But during all of those times that my dad was going through the different treatments he went through, at no point was talk therapy or anything having to do with meditation or anything having to do with uh, a group support or, or psychology. None of that was, was part of the program. Yeah, the and, program and, was and, purely and, and my, heavy my metals. Pop, my pop, who, who got treated in New York uh, at Dana-Farber in Boston, at MD Anderson in uh, Houston, and then finally at City of Hope in Los Angeles, MD Anderson was profound because, and I can remember this, they, at that time, I, you know, they were saying, we see um, cancer as something that the whole family is part of the treatment. So they really encouraged a very different philosophy. And this is early 90s, late That's 80s. That's amazing. So, so it was kind of almost like addiction, like getting everybody in, involved. And, and, and yeah, and, you know, I talk therapy might be where the, the official term of it, but it's the idea that we all have a chance to talk and that we're only as sick as our secrets. Right. And a problem shared is a problem halved. That's it right there. So, no, I, I think this is an amazing talk. I mean, I can tell you, like, my pop, you know, you we all have our... And our I loved our, your dad. No, I but mean, we all have our bona fides in the shit club. And so, like, you know, my pop, uh, colon, colon cancer, uh, he had four surgeries, uh, multiple chemos, uh, multiple radiations. Uh, at You know, by the time it was all said and done... Mo one kidney and most of another kidney had been taken out. Um, and, and the thing was, he was a championship athlete. And he won amateur squash doubles championships in his age groups up until about a year before he died. So right. he, to me, one of the things that was always inspiring, although painful, was watching him fight this disease and not give up his lifestyle and not give up what made him him. He used to have, when he would have surgery, he would wake me up at like five in the morning and we'd go play squash just because he wanted to do that before he was going to get operated on. And then he would look at a calendar three, four, five months in the future saying, well, I'm going to play in that tournament. And that was the way that he handled his post-op. Right. So that was keeping it the, the positive, staying in the solution and, yeah. and keeping it positive. Yeah, it was very positive. Well, I, I think that, um, it, and I may get some you know pushback for this, but I do think that having that positive, you know, that positive outlook is so important to recovery from any disease or illness is being able to stay in the solution, to be able to look forward to things, to be able to generate hope. And, and clearly that's what Fighting Chance does. And right. we're so I, lucky to have this, this incredible place on the East End. We're going to talk to Duncan about it. I mean, it's free. Right, and, right. And it's and, free and, 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 and I would say, and this isn't pushback, but I would say who knows if it helps longevity. What it does in my mind is it helps everybody live in t this moment, in the present you know, what happens when you go into trauma? What happens when you shut down? What happens when you live with fear? You stop living in the present. Right. And so, you well, know, Well, they say if you're, living, if, you're, if you're depressed, you're sad about things that have already happened. And if you're anxious, you're worried about things that haven't happened yet. But, but in either way, if you shut down, you're not living in the present. You're not living today. Right. And, and that's something that I actually think is the ultimate goal, whether you have a condition that's been uh, diagnosed or not, is how do you, how do you, Enjoy How do you live today? Day. Right. Every single moment. Right. And, and Well, and doesn't that come from a place of gratitude, though? I mean, don't and, and no one can live in gratitude all the time. But doesn't that come from some f for me? I find that it comes from this feeling that I really only have today. You know, sometimes I say that to my husband and he thinks I'm being 
morbid. But I'm like, look, I could, you know, I I had a friend who said I could be putting on lipstick and an anvil could fall off of an overpass and hit me and I'll be gone. Like, yeah, that'd be really horrible. Like if you're one of the Stooges. No, if it was me. Like if you were like, if you were like, or Laurel and Hardy. I was you're, thinking you're like, Tex Avery. I was right? going to the Tex cartoon Avery, version. The cartoon thing? Right, exactly. Big anvil, 16 ton anvil. <laughs> boom, that's how Bridget went out. So, you know, but you Anvils never know. used to be a thing. They're like not really like present as much anymore. Anvils are not as much of a problem as I thought they were going to be for no, me. No, no. Gravity's probably more of a problem than anvils. Yeah. Well, but then gravity would bring the anvil down and falling pianos what the hell right. i thought those were like going to happen all the time because you see them all the time on right and then and you get sharknado right yeah. so then you go <laughs> no, there and we're, one, like, but three. we're like somehow <laughs> yeah so no anyway. i mean i think this is a really really awesome conversation it's a conversation that uh i i've been blessed in my own private life to have sometimes with people very inspiring uh and and at the same time i think that you know, for everybody that is is either fighting uh, their own uh, disease and conditions or or the loved ones, which is even harder in many cases. Absolutely. Um, the the real focus and the thing I want to celebrate today with having Duncan on is is the focus of connection and and talk and that there's a, the more information you have, the more you take away the stigma, the more you take away the hushed silences, the better chance you, me, anybody will have of living today and not living with the fear of an unknown tomorrow. It must be amazingly, immensely difficult to not only be suffering or, or um, you know, living through something, but to also not, to have that old stigma of also not being able to to talk about it yeah. uh, in public without getting, you know, and, and, the horrors, the look we, of horror. And we are living in a period, we are alive on this planet in a period where the, the very way that cancers are being fought and battled, the very way that they're being treated is changing. You know, there, there was that old Star Trek movie that uh, I, I don't remember the one, but they came back in time to like modern day 1988 and Bones McCoy, the doctor, was like looking at chemotherapy. He's like, it's barbaric. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> right. we're living in a time with a very paradigm of how the proteins, the, the looking at the cell and what, and what, you know, I, Duke was doing a study uh, that I became aware of a couple of years ago where they were taking like um, uh, sterilized syphilis and putting it into brain cancer and, and, and tumors were disappearing. Right. You know, so we're also living in a time where there's never been more research and more potential for strategy of how to fight the well, disease. Well, I'll even, I mean, I will do this, you know, I don't do this ever, but I'll do, give a shout out to Chaga. I mean, which is one of the, the things yeah. that, you know, I, I work with an RN who we've, you know, have seen people using Chaga and other medicinal mushrooms and other natural holistic in, in conjunction with all of the other, right. you, know, pro, you know, protocols that they're supposed to be following to really stave off and and lengthen their lifespan. Right, it's and 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 there are other things that again, like anecdotally, uh, processed sugar is. Uh, oh, it's the it, devil. But but also, I think specifically, uh, I read somewhere where when somebody is engaged in, in cancer treatment, to to remove all sugar from your diet gives you a much better chance. Absolutely. So sugar um, is a petri dish. I mean, and and yeah. I, I mean that doesn't mean I don't eat it. I eat it all the time. But I know that uh, and and plant based diet. I mean, there's so many different. Um, ways of, of uh, making the body that you have strong enough to be able to, to you know, to, to have it armed for battle. And, and, I, and I would say, again, uh, your body has all the tools to fight invaders. Uh, this is an invader from within, but this is still something that if the body can, can be triggered to fight, there's going to be no stronger, uh, you know, arsenal 
uh, for all of us. And going from the body, we're also going to discuss the mind because the mind is such an in instrumental player that is so overlooked in this battle. And, and we're going to be talking to Duncan Darrow from Fighting Chance, but we're going to take a little break here on Sundays on the East End. Thank you. I'm Alex Ocolo. And I'm Bridget Leroy. We'll be right back. Well, I'll keep on Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We're, uh, you're listening to Sundays on the East End here with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Ocolo. And we're here welcoming our guest for the day, Duncan Darrow of Fighting Chance. How are you, Duncan? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Great. Well, we were talking about uh, you know, the subject that mm. you know, 20 years ago was never discussed, which is cancer and ways in which people can fight it. And Duncan started fighting chance uh, how long ago 18 years 18 years ago yeah, yeah. perhaps perhaps uh, you know tell us or, or share with us uh, what motivated uh, you starting fighting chance yeah I mean and and, and also you're in Sag Harbor mm -hmm. so it's a Sag Harbor based business yeah yeah we're in Sag Harbor above Geek Hampton there on Bay Street okay. um, it started in 2001 when my mother who lived out here uh, got lung cancer and I was the caregiver and she battled for a few months not long and we had a hundred questions and no one to answer them. Really? Yeah, and they could be psychological, they could be practical, uh, you, you know, runs the, the gamut. And uh, after she died, like a lot of people who survive, you know, family members, you want to do something. So I became a hospice volunteer and got very involved with hospice for about a year observe what they were doing. I always used to say to them, this is great, but we could use hospice at the beginning of the cancer journey, not just at the end. And, wait, and what did you mean by that? You I mean the, the I compassionate the care? Yeah. The, yeah, hospice is, it's professional, it's free, um, it is empathic, uh, it has a kind of sense of grassroots uh, and community, you know, driven. Right. Uh, and in those days, it was terrific. And uh, it still is. So they said, well, we don't do the beginning of the journey. We only do the end. And why, why do you think historically that was the case? Just the roots of hospice, which was it was uh, a vehicle for to help people die in those days. To help people die gracefully, yeah. I guess, mm -hmm. with dignity. Yeah, I thought dying was easy and comedy was hard. Well, that's because <laughs> you're a comedy writer. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Comedy's not so hard. <laughs> so uh, about 90% of the patients in those days were late-stage cancer, and the woman who ran it was terrific. She's just retiring now. She said, um, well, if you wanted to start something at the beginning, um, you'll probably choke in red tape because there's a lot of paperwork because we worry about who's going to pay for what. Uh -huh. I said, well, what if it's free? She said, well, then you go bankrupt. So I said, okay, that's a great choice. So I guess I'll go with bankrupt. So we started Fighting wow. Chance on the basis that everything we would do for patients would, and, and, be, and would what, be free. What was your history before that? What, like I was a Wall Street lawyer, uh, and I worked mostly um, 
in Southeast Asia during the financial crisis. And you're a lawyer named Darrow. Uh, <laughs> any relation to Clarence? <laughs> no, or no that, relation. No, no, no. no okay, no America's atheist. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, because Alec wrote a, a, a musical about Clarence Darrow. That exists, it exists in my monk. mind. I, it plays eight performances a week in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely none anywhere else. No, exactly. So there you go. Anyway, um, so back to, to this Darrow. Uh, so we started out just in a little garage across the hallway from the, America, the driveway from the American Hotel. And, uh, and we started with the guides to answer practical questions, which we've edited every year. It's right here. It's on our website, which is fightingchance.org. And it's sort of like the yellow pages. If you imagine a yellow pages, everything was stripped out except the resource information for someone who has cancer. And that's, that's what this is. Uh, and then what happened was people started calling us about what I would call more profound psychological issues that come from those words you Can have you cancer. Can you give, give, give me an example of a profound psychological issue that you came up You think you're going to die. Right. That's the most well, well, I mean, and again, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to be a wet blank, right. but we all are going to die. Yeah. It's you think you're going to die today. Or soon, and you don't have everything in order and... Yeah, you think you're going to die. You think you're going to die in a drawn-out, painful way. You think it's going to impact your family, which it does, and turn your life upside down. So right. you just got a lot going on. We were lucky. Just as we started, the number two person at Memorial Sloan Kettering, who had, which had pioneered what's called psycho-oncology, which is the psychological stress from a cancer battle. Um, she came out here. Uh, her husband passed away unexpectedly. She poked her head in our office and said, you know, would you consider talk therapy? Wow. Which I didn't really know what it was in right. those days. I said, we're kind of a practical place. And she said, well, <laughs> you know, people need to talk. So I said, be my guest. And, uh, and thus wow. talk therapy became, um, you know, one half of what we did. The other half was all this practical logistical stuff. And even to this day, as an example, if you're being treated uh, in the New York City hospitals, like Memorial, and you live out here, you can get a free jitney ticket by coming to our office. We give away 1,000 free jitney tickets a year. Wow, that's Thank amazing. Thank you, Jeff Lynch and the Hampton Jitney. Thank you, right. Hampton Jitney. Hampton Jitney and uh, Utz Potato Chips. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't eat those. Yeah, I know. I'm not, that's not a plug. Wait, I'm wait, just wait. saying there's a... All right, so let me okay. ask you this. Let's, huh. let's, let's talk about talk therapy for yeah. a second. So for the uninitiated, uh, what, you know, if you can distill what talk therapy is and and if there's any um and what ca it is cause and effect and what it isn't and mm -hmm. like and what like in your 18 years uh if what results you've seen because of it so there's lots of kind of talk therapy the the kind that we're interested in at fighting chance um is generated from a traumatic experience and um and there's several traumatic experiences where talk therapy is used after the uh, uh, event of crisis. So one would be you have cancer, which you consider a death sentence. Another would be you're in Baghdad, a Jeep blows up in your face, your buddy dies, you're in trauma. Another would be out at the retreat. Your husband punches you out, you have trauma. Someone shoots your, 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 your son, you have trauma. Right. Someone dies in a nightclub fire, you have trauma. So the whole area of post-traumatic treatment is where our kind of talk therapy exists. That's fascinating. I'm just curious. Do you offer the um, EMDR therapy, or is that something that you've no, looked into it's, yet? No, it's, it's talk therapy within the cancer arena is a very specialized 
form of talk therapy. It's delivered by someone called an oncology social worker. And to, to even practice talk therapy, you not only have to be a social worker, you have to get a second degree um, so that you can practice talk therapy with p- cancer patients. Because right. the trauma that flows from a cancer diagnosis and we have to deal with is different than the trauma from these other experiences. I and mean, just as an example, um, first of all, it really radiates through your family. So probably half of our counseling sessions uh, involve people bringing their family in. Uh, and over 18 years, I think we've counseled about 2,000 patients. That's amazing. So that's a lot, a lot of people, a lot of family. Um, and that's had a ripple effect, of course. Yeah, and then also with cancer, you're worried that it's going to come back, which it often does. Right. right. It's that, that's that thing, again, having lived in L.A., uh, you have that first earthquake. And it's, the, it's no, but it's the aftershocks that scare you. It's the, it's yeah. the will it happen? When will it happen again? When will it happen and you again? Live, and you live so with this fear. Right, that's so. the trauma. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the gold standard. We're the only free cancer counseling center of consequence in America. And why? Well, you have to raise a lot of money to provide a free service for anything. And uh, and because we have kind of our, our, our roots go back to the pioneers at Memorial Sloan Kettering, we've really taken talk talk therapy a long distance in terms of, you know, what we know about it. We've been doing it for 18 years. Right, well, so, and that's about just like before we kind of even move on, and, and have you been able to see noticeable results of the talk therapy, or is it really just a case-by-case basis where you, you know, how do you, how do you uh, define well, yeah. what a win looks like in talk therapy? Well, we, first of all, we have s- scales. We, we measure things in science. So where there's a, a, a sort of a form you fill out, a, a, a scale, a, a survey, and then you fill out a couple more times as you come along with us. But our goal, our end goal is empowerment. Right. So that that's cool. our key, key watchword. To is, empower the patient and to empower their entire family. Exactly, to help themselves because we can't be around forever. So we're trying to move them from a state of trauma and paralysis to a state of em, em, empowerment and, and strength empowerment and action yeah and and you know and and i would say you got to be very careful when you make claims about medicine and cancer but generally speaking people would say that when you are when you add this element this holistic element to your medical treatment you tend to get better results and i i don't want to be more dramatic than saying that but i think that that clearly is demonstrable and right, then, and, and and again i'll go back no. to like and even if even if there's no way of ultimately quantifying that um what what it sounds like is you you live a better today you do yep and you have a better you have a better journey as we as we call it and then when you're done with us which is typically once a week for two or three months at which point your medical treatment should be advanced we've developed we're in our I think our 10th year with this a partnership with rodney and colleen at Yoga Shanti, they are right. terrific. They make their studio available two afternoons a week. And we ask our patients, don't have to, go there for a year. And there is a, a branch of, of yoga teachers who specialize in yoga for cancer survivors. Wow. In Sag Harbor. With, with, it's a movement within America, but probably two of the most, if you will, famous practitioners live out here. It's not Rodney. It it's isn't? a couple of his people. Okay. And they take care of our patients there. And they've been doing it for m- many years. So they become very expert. Yeah. That's and amazing. that's free, too. And then, and, then, and then you're launched, and we hope your cancer never comes back. And a lot of people, the last thing they say is, I hope I never see you again. 
Yeah, hey. Well, that would be great. Gee, I, call, I, I, call, I call that a first date. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Well, we have yeah. lots more to talk about with Duncan Darrow from Fighting Chance in Sag Harbor, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And you're listening to Sundays on the East End here on WPPB 88.3 Long Island's only NPR station. We'll be right back. We're back on Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. You can do that part on 88.3 WPPB-FM, Long Island's only NPR station. You can also listen to us online at 883WPPB.org. Or you can listen uh, on your special Echo device by saying, play WPPB, to which mine always says, I can't find WVBB. <laughs> So, I think anyway. Alexis is the only uh, oh. Alexi. Alexa. Alexa. I just said is it. Is the only creature that gets me. <laughs> you are. Like, I'm like, I want to listen to Early Squeeze, and they're yeah. like, you get Early Squeeze. Yeah. Uh, Can you turn uh, off that light? Wasn't I? I was your Early Squeeze. Uh, there you go. There you go. Anyway, well, we're here with Duncan Darrow, Fighting Chance in Sag Harbor. We're talking about uh, this incredible cancer initiative that you started. That's free. For, for anybody who needs it or wants it. And uh, we were going to talk about some, you had said that there was this enormous gap missing between people getting a diagnosis of cancer when, when you started this 18 years ago and starting treatment. There were all these unanswered questions. There were the monkeys in the mind and you helped like quiet those monkeys. And, uh, and we were looking at, this is um, one of the pamphlets pamphlet, that you yeah. have, the yeah. future fund for fighting chance about, because obviously you need to raise money since it's a free organization, oh. but some of the questions that people say, um, I was just diagnosed and I need professional counseling for my shell shock. Can I get it here and is it free? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, there's well, the there, short that's answer. That's a simple okay, answer. Okay, good, because we have you like 10 You can get it and it's free. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. do, um, I know nothing about cancer, but now I want to try and understand the disease. Do you have a web-based learning system? Yes, yeah, called Cancer Simplified. 40 PowerPoint charts right on our website. Cancer what? Simplified yep. on your website. So what's your mm -hmm. website? fightingchance.org. We should say that all along. Okay. All, all along. So please, please go check out fightingchance.org oh, to get some wisdom and hopefully some action steps and some empowerment. Yeah. So who pays for all of this? That's one of the questions. The community. I mean, it, we probably have several hundred donors. Um, I've been a big donor over the years, less so as, as we've grown our donor base. Um, foundations, um, a lot of the larger companies out here are big supporters, especially the Hampton Jitney. Yeah, they give away a thousand tickets a year for they, people. Yeah, we give away a thousand uh, jitney tickets for patients and their caregivers who are going into New York City, 
uh, for treatments that are not necessarily available, you know, in more of a rural cancer care area like here or even Stony Brook. Yeah. Now, w- during the break, we were talking, um, you, I asked the question, you know, has this expanded, this this um, protocol or this, this what model, has mm-hmm. this model been picked up by other uh, communities around the country have, have people called you and said, hey, what you're doing with Fighting mm-hmm. Chance is great. I'm in Missoula, Montana. You know, how do we start something like this? You know, or- that, that, you know, that, that really hasn't happened. It, large urban hospitals um, have some version of what we're doing. Uh, however, the, the talking with the social worker at a memorial, or perhaps that's not a good example, a, a large urban hospital, mm-hmm. the conversation will be brief, 10 minutes. Also, it will be in a hospital. Right. If you go to Fighting Chance, we're like a storefront. We're, we're above Geek Hampton. It feels much more like a living room. And when people are involved in talk therapy, for, for any reason, they don't want to do it in a hospital. But, but, but isn't there also, like in my experience, when you talk to um, somebody that's uh, working in a hospital, somebody that, that uh, is a social worker, um, or any kind of therapist, they have their mandates and their protocols, and they have their ways of actually um, interacting with you. I certainly immediately go to, I don't think you're hearing me as a person. You're, you're hearing me as just somebody that is sitting on this chair at this with, moment. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. With a dis- Or you are your disease, and you don't want to be you know, ju- justified by, who, by what you have. You want to be justified by who you are. Yeah. And in a lot of, a lot of large urban hospitals, even you know, sizable suburban hospitals on Long Island, because talk therapy takes time and care, um, they try to get to the same sort of result, calming the patient and so forth, through drug-based therapy. And so that's going to bring out your clonopins, your Ambien's, your Xanaxes. And the patient may seem superficially as if anxiety has been resol- re- relieved, but right. the core for the anxiety has not been resolved. Exactly, it's you so, put a Band-Aid on it uh, rather yeah. than ripping the Band-Aid off and letting the wound heal. Yeah, and that's that's where talk therapy, in our view, is, for this kind of trauma at least, is So, so how, how, how do you deal with um, institutional thought? How do you deal with these hospitals where you wanna have a relationship, you wanna be able to say, we're here, and at the same time, you're kind of bowing down to a different God. Yeah, you're, well, this brings up a, a, a cancer center that we'll talk up about a little bit later, but um, when we deal with doctors in cancer centers and hospitals, which our professionals do every day, um, they will, you know, kind of knee-jerk reaction, gee, I think I'll give the patient some Xanax. And, and our view is, well, you don't really have to do that. They're going to be coming here, and that's really not necessary. And so there's a push-pull between their kind of protocol, which is go to Xanax, go to Clonopin, and, and our more holistic approach, which we sort of pioneered, which is just let them talk to someone who's good at listening and give us a little time. We won't cure this in a week, but believe us, in two months, what we will do will be much more you know, profound. Right. And, all, and, there, and, there, and, there, and there is also, and, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not a communist when I say this, um, but there's this, this free market capitalist approach to, to you know, the drug companies and, and to the entire process of, of 
treating well, that's disease, treating the patient versus what you said. I mean, you said this is free. But, but you, that's a whole, I mean, we're going to have a whole show, at least one, probably 20 on that, on sick care rather than well care and, and, and all of that. And the search for the, the magic bullet, you know, where, where the spoiler alert is no one really wants a magic bullet because so much money is made on the mm -hmm. treatment rather than the cure. Right. But I'm just saying it like in this conversation that I can see how if you, and I'm not, I'm not degrading it. If you, if you work at a hospital, if you spend your life work you know, with certain protocols of, of battling cancer, then um, that's what you know. It's like right. to, to a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And, um, and, and here's a new paradigm, a new way of thinking that, that could be part of a solution. Mm -hmm. That, so like, have you, has Fighting Chance butted up against that? Has Fighting Chance? Yeah, yeah, we have. And we'll talk maybe later, perhaps you want to kind of raise it now because it does come up. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about There's going to be a new cancer center out here. And uh, this is amazing. Let's I mean, talk about that. There yeah. you go. That's amazing. Good, good segues, you guys would say. Um, <laughs> yeah. On Route 27, um, right across from the Ford dealership. Uh, so this is like as you enter Southampton, like where uh -huh. the Princess Diner is. Where you make your sharp left to go to Wayne Scott. Yeah, it's yeah. 15,000 15, square point. feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, $25 million facility. Wow. Um, wow. One of the premier cancer centers on Long it has a radiation vault. Right now, the closest one is Riverhead. The closest really good one is Port Jeff. This is as good as, as Port Jeff. Um, clinical oncologists and also now uh, psycho-oncology, which is us. We've been given a rent-free, thank you, Southampton Hospital, office uh, in the cancer center. This is amazing. When uh, do, when a satellite, and we'll be doing what we do in Sag Harbor. The quarters will be a little smaller, but we'll be closer to doctors. And I think the number of patients will be able to help will we'll, we'll go up and we'll still be free. Right. Doc, and when is this slated to open? Uh, right now, the ribbon cutting date is approximately March 1. You okay. can see the building. It's pretty much completed from the exterior. Right. So you're bringing the mountain to Muhammad. Yeah. In a way. And I think it's a vote of confidence. 18 years ago, the hospital here, the doctors here, were probably much more skeptical about talk therapy and this idea of treating what we call the whole patient. Right. Well, but then that goes back to there have been obviously tangible results in order for them to have turned around because doctors base their their, you know, their life on statistics and 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 curves right. and so but, on. But like so before before we got on the air, you 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 enlightened us a little bit about the history, the cultural history. Maybe we can chat about that a little bit because you talk about eighteen years ago, the the big shift. So yeah. so yeah, yeah, where do, where the do the these shift. thoughts? The, the schools of thought come from in your mind? Well, so a couple, you know, obviously cancer is a big thing. There's a lot of interesting chapters. I mean, the beginning of talk therapy and treating the whole patient started when the American Medical Association changed its official position, which in, up through the 70s used to be to the doctors of this country, if your patient has cancer, don't tell them. Wow. Because it's a death sentence. And you don't want them to know. It was a simpler time. Yeah. So, <laughs> so all of the outgrowth of the trauma and and stress from knowing you have cancer was was not on the drawing board because no one was even told they had the disease. Right. Then you move towards the AIDS period, a form of cancer, and that community was extremely activist. Tell us what we've got. Help us with the psychological stress. I mean, let's really, again, move towards the whole patient approach well, but, in well, the context of AIDS. And, and that, then that probably, I'm wondering if that also happened because AIDS was thought of as something, I mean, at least at the time, yes, that sir. you brought on yourself. Kind of like addiction. But that kind of social stigma... Right. 
is it just gets repeated and repeated and repeated. Yes. It like the 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 boogeyman kind of approach of them versus us. Absolutely. And, and that that's bullshit. Absolutely. It's total and complete 100% bullshit. Okay, so, no, I agree. Uh, I know. I'm not, I don't mean. I'm not. I mean. I get stop ag- yelling I get, at me. I, know, I get. Ag- <laughs> I get. I get so angry about that because I do too. because like the, the the common discourse, not just nationwide, but also in the households, is is predicated on falls on like crazy always makes the rules. Who's That's, the blame? Who's to blame right. for this? Right. Well, well, and but all right. I'm sorry. I digress. But so people who who pioneer talk therapy in the context of oncology all all mostly came out of the AIDS movement. So when we started in in 2003, 2004 and so forth, the people who were professionals in our office had kind of, you know, cut their teeth counseling AIDS patients. Even today, our senior oncology social worker traces her early counseling experience back to AIDS. So that had a profound effect in terms of treating the whole patient being activists and seeing the benefits of talk therapy, right, and and that continues, you know, to this to this day. And That's then you said that it's also the other side of it. It's kind of bookended on one end with um, with the AIDS epidemic you know, beginning and yep. people seeking to be more empathetic and, and compassionate. And then it's bookended on the other side with this sort of recognition now of PTSD as being an actual. Uh, you know, a, a diagnosis. Yeah. So, so now Dana Farber. I'm sure many of your listeners know them. A major, major cancer hospital in Boston. They just came out with the first, I would say, significant study of about a thousand uh, newly diagnosed patients, concluding that about 20% had a set of symptoms essentially identical to the symptoms of returning veterans from Afghanistan and uh, uh, Iraq who had been officially diagnosed with PTSD. Shell shock. So it's like shell sh- you yeah. get shell shocked when well, you get a cancer diagnosis, it. right? It is a lot like shell shock. Right. Um, so yeah, so PTSD is now becoming a more prevalent diagnostic with respect to um, the trauma from cancer. And then the other thing that's happened over the years is now the medical community, even out here, has pretty much come to see that treating the whole patient, this holistic approach, you know, is beneficial, and a lot of our referrals, you know, come from primary care physicians who are often the ones delivering the bad news. They've seen a scan, they've seen an X-ray. They tell the patient, "You have cancer." Patient right there in the doctor's office starts crying, right? And the doctor gives them a script, which essentially says, "Fighting chance." And he says, "You have got to stop crying." You are going to have a huge. It sounds like what my parents said to me all the time. Happy yeah. face, Bridget. Happy face. Right. No, that's how, yeah. You're, you're going to have to stop crying. Go to Fighting Chance within the next two days. And most of people who come to Fighting Chance have been diagnosed within 48 hours. And we're talking with Duncan Darrow of Fighting Chance, fightingchance.org, which is a free uh, program out on the East End. We're that, incredibly that, that, lucky. That, that really helps uh, when people uh, get the life changing news of a diagnosis. It helps to empower them, and it helps to, to inform them, give them action steps, and it also helps to give them a platform to be heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, my husband had a lung removed when he was 39 years old, and um, we didn't have any of this. I mean, he's now, what, 56? We, there was no – this – we went up to, um, I think it was LIJ, and uh, and it was, it was a bad situation, and – uh, there but, wasn't uh, why, I mean, without getting too personal, without getting HIPAA on it, like, uh, was it was it a 
an incident or was it a, uh, m- m- a cancer? He had an enormous tumor in his in his lung that had gone undiagnosed for a very long time, and his lung collapsed. Yeah. And um, you know, Eric, we Eric is a stud, by the way. Oh, like, no I look kidding. at Eric, I'm like, like you I got a little bit it, of baby. man crush on him. Oh, like, I know everybody uh, does. You all, know, all my boyfriends have a crush on my husband. He's 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 crush he's crush worthy. Yeah. Anyway, no, uh, but he and listen, six weeks after he had it, he was back on his kayak, you know, surfing. So it's like, but still. Still, the point was. If you put that in I air had, quotes, that would be like such a different. He's back on his kayak, <laughs> <laughs> surfing. Air quotes. No, but uh, it was a terrifying, terrifying time. It was ten hours of surgery. He had part of his trachea removed, and I'm only bringing it up because I didn't. Um, he, no, luckily, we have our own community of of talk therapy of 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 like-minded individuals so I got a lot of support and I had a lot of casseroles brought over but we really didn't know anything or anywhere to turn at any point and it would have been so useful to have something like this I I mean and then you know I had a year where I thought at least a year afterward where I just thought he was going to die you know and and I had no one to talk to so right. it, it it's very personal for me right. as well and 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 I know like it's it's an area I care a lot about is is um I go back to the word connection it's creating connections that give information and it's happening in Sag Harbor it's happening on the East End it's happening with Southampton Hospital it's happening in a very uh kind of holistic way probably like Duncan when you started did you have any um long term uh, expectations of fighting chance yeah I, the, the the goal in my mind <clears throat> was to be uh, viewed as hospice and I, I kind of had this uh, anecdote which was if if you if you announced to the East End community that hospice was going bankrupt and going out of business probably you would end up with a hundred bake sales the next day. People would say, you know, it's free, but it's so core to the healthcare system, we can't let it happen. Right. And I wanted to get Fighting Chance to that same level where people would say, oh my God, if it's going bankrupt, it's become core to the healthcare right. system. Right. This is an essential right. tool in the toolbox for everybody. Yeah, because you know, cancer will kill 25% of everyone every year. So it's a, it's a big cause. Wait, of wait, death. wait! Say that again. So if you look at the cause of death of your the people on the East End, the people in the United States, twenty five percent is cancer. Wow. Forty percent of all Americans will get cancer before they die. So it's a very pervasive disease. Right, which which, which means that everybody knows somebody. Everybody's been touched yeah. by it. Yeah, everyone's every- been touched. I think that's a very fair statement. Well, we're going to take one more break and uh, come back talking to Duncan Darrow of Fighting Chance. You can check out the website, fightingchance.org, and you can also check out our website at 883wppp.org. If you're feeling generous, you can make two donations today. You can make one to Fighting Chance and one to the radio station. We are Long Island's only NPR station. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and And Alex. Alex Sokolow. (laughs) I tried to say your name fast. And we will be back in one minute. Thank you.
Well, we're back with Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. We never get that name thing right. You're listening to us here on 88.3 WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. You can also listen to us online at 883WPPB.org. And we're actually at the beginning of a fun drive, so we can use your donations to keep shows like this on the air. Please. Totes McGee. <laughs> what? Did you get a tote bag? Totes McGee. Yeah, they're like NPR radio. If, if you, you give a million dollars, I'm sure we could scrounge one up for you. Don't you get a tote bag? Anyway, we're, we're here on the air with Duncan Darrow of FightingChance.org, which you can check out as well, uh, which is a, a free service based in Sag Harbor, which is also going to be part of the new cancer center in Southampton. But you have a whole other hat, which is also related. Please tell us about yeah, that. Well, this was... Uh, this is another charity, also on the on the web, called CancerTrust.org, and it has kind of an interesting story, well, back, it, backstory yeah, as well. Yeah, how does it differentiate? So we we had uh, were blessed with a group of wealthy Wall Street donors, like many charities. Uh, we all need a few of those, and they wanted to do something more than just write a check. So I said, well, why don't you um, you know, start a think tank, and figure out something else you want to do. I, you know, you, uh, and they said, great. And, Found a place in New York. There were about ten of them, very successful uh, money managers, and they said, "Well, can you can you put someone in our, uh, to kind of lead the group?" Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to get Jim Watson, who discovered DNA. And wait, wait, is, wait. Uh, <laughs> discovered DNA? He's uh-huh. the head of this cancer trust. Well, like Watson and Crick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which exactly. one? Which one got into uh, problems with the? Uh, uh, Jim. Jim. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? He was an iconoclast. Yeah, he was. He was a Nobel Prize winner. He's at Cold yeah. Spring Harbor, partway down the or up the island. Uh-huh. And so Jim sat with these guys, and I was uh, observing. We had another fellow, Sid Mukherjee, who wrote a wonderful book called The Emperor of All Maladies About Cancer. And they were this spitballing sessions that went on for about a year every couple months. Jim was challenging them and said, you know, come up with a big idea. And at the end, they said, well, Duncan, you know, you can stop by. I think we know what we're going to do. I said, great. What's up? Said, we're going to cure cancer. All right. There you <laughs> go. I said, okay. Yeah, get me Joe okay, Biden great. online, too. What a good idea. Uh, I, said, well, I said, how are you going to do that? What's what's the secret sauce? I said, there are all these cancer hospitals, and they don't they don't um, collaborate. Yeah. They absolutely don't. In fact, it's worse than that. If you've got a They're genius. They're competitive. Yeah. If you've got a genius researcher in a lab who might you know, uh, be coming up with the Coke formula, so to speak, you don't want a researcher from another uh, cancer center just down the road to go in there because if it turns out Coke's going to pay you billions of royalties, the other cancer center is going to say, well, we, we, we're entitled to 12% of that. Cause oh, we, my gosh. We, so know, it's such a race. Yeah, not A race good. to the finish not and good. very competitive. So, so, so how, do you, how do you blow up so that? So what we uh, did was, I'll say we because I'm the chairman of it, although it's, it's the work has been done by a lot of terrific people. We then go out and we put together a package of four comprehensive cancer centers, really the best of the best. Uh, the first package was Columbia, Sinai, Hopkins, and Penn. And they signed an elaborate agreement, 35 pages, describing <laughs> how they are going to collaborate for 10 years. Wow. Uh, and split any royalties if they do discover the so-called Coke formula. Then we take that package to a pharmaceutical company and say, you know, you always need to augment your drug development pipeline. These four institutions will work with you over a decade as long as you fund them at the rate of 50 million a year or 500 million total. And the first transaction was completed a couple years ago and thanks, shout out to Celgene, who's Mm -hmm. the funder. 
and, and the four is, institutions are doing a great job. And people can check up on this. It's cancertrust.org. But, but even there, I mean, like like starting with fighting chance, it's the same basic thing. How do we get people talking? How do we get uh, information right. going? How do we get connections? And God bless you for like kind of figuring out a way to handle it on a corporate and financial level where the incentives uh, belie that. Yeah, and so we've done a couple of these. Our, our current collaborative is uh, Cold Spring Harbor, which we just mentioned. Uh, Dana Farber up in uh, Boston, um, Wild Cornell, uh, and the Rockefeller University. So again, a, a very an intriguing, promising group of intellectuals, and um, and we're now in discussions with a pharmaceutical company for the, exactly the same deal we did with Celgene, which is 500 million at the rate of 50 million per year. And then if anything comes out of that that might be commercializable or right. you know. They, they, of course, get the right of first refusal to license it. They don't want it. Right, but like, so the, but corp corporations, uh, you know, I think in, in part started because uh, of all of the ship faring in, like, Holland back in the 15 or 1600s mm -hmm. where ships would go out for 10 or 15 years. You, you wouldn't know what would come back. And so all of the people investing in them said, why don't we pool our resources and kind of hedge our bets and mitigate our risk? Yeah. You're kind of talking about a similar thing. It's, it's using basic economy or economic principles and now applying it to a common good and and medical breakthrough. Well, then we'll, I'm I'm sorry, Danny, but then that, the, let's bring that back. I mean, because the, everything you're doing with cancertrust.org sounds very big and very weighty. Yeah, so this, yes, it's and if big we get back and to fighting, fighting chances local, then right. fighting chances something local. It's something right. Sag Harbor based, and it's something people can really wrap their yeah, so head let's talk around. About the I new mean, cancer center. Yes, yeah, that's a, a good a good yes. Seg, I guess this, I said segue. Another segue. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are segue experts. I guess. Yes, we that's are. It. Yeah, um, and but cancer trust does inform what we do. We we have a pretty remarkable understanding of cancer drugs as a consequence. So out here, um, the Phillips family, local family, gave uh, about $13 million. Wow. The hospital raised another 10 or so, got up to $25 million, broke ground last uh, June, um, a little more than a, a, you know, 14, 15 months ago. You can see the building. It's yeah. pretty much built now. Uh, it's a 15 uh, 15,000 square feet. It's right there, like when you're about to make that turn toward Hank's Pumpkin mm -hmm. Town, right yeah. Right there at the end of like, mm -hmm. The most important turns. thing it brings to the community, healthcare wise, is a radiation vault. Radiation is you know, one of the most prevalent forms of treating cancer. Um, the closest one until this was built was really in Port Jefferson. Right. And we have about 10 good souls who drive patients every day from all around the Hamptons right, when, to when, Port Jeff when you, when you're, to go to radiation. When you're going through a radiation protocol, it's multiple times a week. Yeah, it's Monday through Friday. Cannot miss a day for six weeks. That's and tell me, tell me about time. these people who drive these other people. They're volunteers? They're volunteers. If you want to volunteer, it's, a, I think, a very rewarding experience. Uh, and, you know, you'll pick someone up in uh, Amagansett, and you'll drive them to Port Jeff or, some, or maybe someplace closer. Um, and you wait for them to have their wait, treatment. Got to wait, and then you drive them back, and and you're kind of what we call an empathic witness. You you don't need to talk a lot. First of all, you got to concentrate on driving, but these people tend to be isolated. Cancer isolates you. You don't want to go out as much as you used to, and so now you're in a car with a, a pleasant, um, you know, conscientious stranger, and you start talking. And, and that uh, brings us right back to the very beginning of what we were talking about, which is that talk is a form of cure, is a form, right, right, right. Uh, is a, 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 any kind of illness where you feel like you are alone in the world is going to isolate you. And isolation causes depression. It, it's, 
it's a horrible, dark place to be. And Fighting Chance really gives people uh, an opportunity to feel like they are not alone through talk therapy. Now, I, I just want to bring up one thing because we talked about it beforehand before we end. It's not group therapy. This isn't like going to a you know twelve step meeting or something like no, that. No, no. This is talk with a a trained psycho oncologist. One on one in a private office. However, we do run what are sometimes called support groups. Okay, because those are very important as well. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. And we've run many of them. I think my the one that really touches my heart the most was there was a period of time about a year ago when the husbands of six particular wives all died within two months and we had been counseling all six of them Uh, and their wives had occasionally come in they usually came in by themselves and after they passed the wives came to us kind of as a group and said could you create something like um, you know, a bereavement group for the six of us, we've all been kind of talking and it ended up being called the widow's group. And it, w- it went on for about two years and I still bump into some of those women and it just, um, I think it was a, a, a very constructive right. thing. Right, and, and even life. that, like bereavement and grief are, are topics that I think people aren't comfortable necessarily talking about or thinking about and yet uh, having the connection, having the, 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 the outlet, having the, the people to go through it with, uh, I think is a gift that everybody, I mean, it's something that, that you'll carry the rest of your life and hopefully pay forward. Uh, you know, listening and being present when somebody is, you know, compassion, ultimately, I think the word comes from to suffer with, you know, come Calm with passion, passion right. you know, and so it's to suffer with, and, that, and there's nobility in that. So you, I just I'll mention one other topic because I'm sure many of your listeners will always ask, well, are we gonna, when are we going to cure cancer, which is not our job at Fighting Chance, but um, people always wonder about it. And I would say that the short answer, because I've now seen a lot of what's going on in the field, is algorithms. So u- ultimately, algorithms. Isn't will, that what they do on Facebook? Algorithms? They do it. It's right. everywhere. I, thought, I was hoping you were going to say like February 27th. <laughs> <laughs> But algorithms, you know, algos are gonna are gonna get it yeah. eventually. They're gonna get everything. They're gonna figure it out. Yep, they're gonna figure it out. So there will be an end to all of this, and I then there'll so, be an yeah. end to fighting chance. You know, when the last dog dies. That's what, 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 <laughs> no, right, no, right, but that's what you said. I hope I never see you again. Yeah, right? yeah. Right? Well, that would be a great. Wouldn't that be a great day? I yeah. hope I, I live that. This long. has been just such an illuminating conversation, and and bringing up so much about. Um, cancer being going from being something that the doctors didn't even tell patients they had because it was too depressing and too too much of a death sentence to it now being something that not only can be discussed but should be discussed and people shouldn't feel alone when they go through this because we all have been touched someone that we know has been has had cancer and 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 i i would also just suggest that uh if you can find moments of humor, you know you're recovering. So it's who's going to control your message. And if you can control your own message, uh, then and which can happen with humor, can happen in, in any other ways, uh, then you're, you're on the road to recovery. And, and you know, what I, what I think here, and the, and the word that Duncan had used before, is it's empowerment. That's the word. Now, just where can people go if they want to get involved? So fighting chance... Six three one seven two five four six four six. A trained professional will answer the phone. They can answer questions over the phone or get you an appointment and put you into this kind of longer term uh, protocol. 
uh, website is www.fightingchance.org. Yeah, say, say the uh, phone number again. Uh, 725-4646, our local area code, 631. That's okay. wonderful. Thank you, folks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, you. Duncan. And, and uh, what a what a pleasure for, for me and, and for Bridget as well as, as people who have uh, you know lost parents and uh, who are of the age of life where cancer becomes more and more of a topic of conversation. Well, you've your father. I mean, just end, not on a negative note, but your father died at 57? 58 years 58? old. He actually, so his last treatment was in City of Hope, and he was in Los Angeles, and he basically said, you know, you're going to die. And he actually said, um, I can't die in Los Angeles. I'll never live it down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and my dad died at 65, and here I am at 55. He'd already had cancer twice. So yeah. we all need to look after ourselves, but also know where to go if we are... And be, blessed, and be blessed for today. Yep. I mean, thank you for listening. Thank you, sir. You know, have a great Sunday and uh, be well and stay well. Yes, and you're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow here on 88.3 WPPB. You can also listen on 88.3 WPPB.org and always make a donation to keep shows like this on the air. So we'll hear you and see you again next week. Funding for Sundays on the East End is provided in part by CP Complete Construction and Renovation, with additional support from The Independent and from Just Beyond Infinity Googleplex.